Luke chapter 4, and we'll start at verse number 40. I told you guys last week that whenever they get to singing like that, I'm tempted to just let them keep singing like that, right? And just to take a little bit out of the sermon time and keep hearing that kind of stuff. That's some, that is a great way to worship God. And I love that song. I heard them play that in America as well, but say it loud and clear. That's my God, and I love Him. That, what, what a great statement. That's a sermon in itself. Luke chapter 4, we're in verse number 40, and I'd like to preach to you today on the topic of there's, there's more to it. There's more to it. Jesus is just getting started in His public ministry. He's uh, already been run out of His hometown of Nazareth. And he's done a few miracles, he's been preaching, he has a bit of a following. And I think today, that's the, 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 the thought that really jumped out to me from these verses, is there's just more to it. Verse number 40, it says, Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, and he had laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And the devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God, and he rebuked them and suffered, I'm sorry, he rebuking them suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. When it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. And the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him, that he should not depart from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. So if you would, let's pause there together. Let's bow our heads and ask God to help us with today's message. Father, as uh, we turn our attention now from the singing to the, to the preaching, to the Scripture, we ask that you might please shine a light on it. And Lord, show us exactly what it is in this sermon that we need to take home and put to use for the rest of our, our week, month, or even the rest of our life. May you change us today with what we hear. We believe in the power of your Word and we desire to see it manifested. And we ask for your help, for the filling of the Spirit, for ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, Jesus has made it clear to them. They want him to stick around. And he says, guys, I, uh, there's more to it. There's more to it. We've had a great day together. If you follow the story closely, I know we've been preaching through this just you know, passage by passage. But if you look at verse number 40, now when the sun was setting... Jesus started the day in the synagogue, and all throughout the chapter, right, he's, he got run out of town and back in the early part of the chapter, and then verse 33, there's a man in the synagogue, and he uh, cast the devil out of him, and then he goes into Simon's house, and there's something that happens there. Now the sun is setting, and now a massive amount of people start flowing in. I preached last week about Jesus being ready to help. Let me just remind you of how ready he is. I mean, even after the day is done, this is the time when most people would rest, not Jesus. Can I just tell you that this morning, if you've come and you have a burden on your soul, Jesus is inviting you. He invites everybody like this. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It doesn't matter how many times you've come before or how, how tired you think he might be of you. He is still ready to take on that next request and do something about it. These people are very comfortable with what they've heard and seen. It's not comfortable, I want to say impressed. They have seen some great things. The devil's being cast out, sicknesses being healed, a mother-in-law being tended to. I mean, this has been a big day. 
The people are excited and they would be very happy for Jesus to just stay there. Let's start a little church here. We, we, we like what you're doing. We enjoy what you're teaching. Can we just be satisfied with this? And the thought that I think jumps off the page is, no, there's more to it. There's more to it. Maybe you've been in church all your life. You say, I'm satisfied with what I've heard, my relationship with God. I'm comfortable where it is. But maybe today Jesus says, you know, there's more to it. You can take a few more steps. Let's, let's get more out of the Christian life, more than you might have bargained for. Paul would later on say it like this in Ephesians. He says, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And it's that word unsearchable. These people, at this time in Jesus' life and ministry, he has just scratched the surface of what he's going to show these people, right? They have seen a few miracles. They haven't seen anything yet. He, they've heard a little bit of preaching. They haven't heard anything yet. He's just getting started. And I think that's true for a lot of us. We have yet to even get to the depths of how wonderful and magnificent and powerful and gracious and loving and merciful our Savior truly is. We're, we're not there yet. There's more to Him and there's more to it that is the walk with Him. There's so much more. Let's see what else we can find in this passage about the Lord. It says in verse 40, Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto Him. First thing I want to say is, there's more to Jesus than your culture can teach you. There's more to Jesus than your culture can teach you. Why did they wait for the sun to set? They were waiting. Well, Jesus, if you read from verse 33 on, this was the, they're in the synagogue. This is the Sabbath day. They're in there preaching, and now they have to wait for the sun to go down because according to Jewish culture and tradition, you can't carry the sick on the Sabbath day. That would violate the culture. It wouldn't violate any verse in the Bible. We know that, right? Jesus had not taught publicly yet about the Sabbath. He had not done miracles and so forth on the Sabbath and then explained to them, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. He hadn't gotten to that yet. These Jewish people didn't know we can approach the Lord with our problems on the Sabbath day. They wouldn't have violated any scripture if they would have brought the sick before the sun went down. But they waited because their culture dictated it. They thought that what they were doing was a biblical thing. Why? Because grandma said it. And Tani and Uam and everybody around me, you know, the, the leaders of our community have said, this is what God expects. But actually that wasn't the case the way they were doing it wasn't a biblical thing. It was just a cultural thing. I have found it on many occasions, and this is not just South Africa. This is all over the world that we grow up in the midst of our culture. Not all of us grow up in the midst of a, a Bible-believing culture. And we just get used to the way things are done and how they sound. And how many times have I approached an Afrikaner and asked, are you saved? And the, quest, the, the answer to that question is, well, I was baptized. But, but I didn't ask, are you baptized? I asked, are you saved? And they said, well, no, I was baptized when I was a baby, the klainduip. And they understand that klainduip, that's a sprinkling. That's not a baptism. Baptism, you have to immerse. Did you know in the Greek Orthodox Church, they actually baptize babies? They pinch the nose shut, grab them by the legs, and dunk them in the water. 
I think the CIA uses that for terrorists, you know, that's waterboarding, you know. (laughs) But people will say, well, I was baptized as a baby, sprinkled as a baby, and now I'm part of the covenant. Did you know that a baptism, klein of chruet, right, infant or adult baptism, neither of those can make you part of the new covenant. There's, there's, we sing about it. There's a question that we sing about. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's not the Pachas through a municipality water system. <laughs> that can't wash away your sin. People will say, well, Ekes Ian von the Eitfrakisen. I'm an elect. But the Bible tells us, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. You do need to make a choice. You have to willingly receive Christ in order to be saved. You say, well, this is how it was explained to me. I don't doubt that. And the people that explained it to you, I'm almost sure they had good intentions. But don't let your culture keep you from Christ. I've heard it many times. Again, I've got to be careful as I say it. But I think it, it's worth pointing out. When you get saved... You guys help me with the Afrikaans word. I know the English is confirmation when you stand behind the microphone and then, what, what, what is it in Afrikaans? I heard it, but laden. Chalufs, beladenus. That's what I was trying, yeah, that's what I'm remembering. I, I'm sure that there are other terms that go with it, but uh, the, the, let me get it right. Chalufs, beladenus. All right, I think that's it. So you stand behind the microphone and I have heard actually solid testimonies where people say that was the moment that I decided I needed Christ as my Savior. And when they said yes to whatever the question was, they were putting their faith in Christ alone to be saved. And if that's when it happens, outstanding. I'm not against that. Please understand. But I also want the younger folks in here to know you don't have to wait until what, you're 16? or 18, or however old that is, to stand behind a mic and make that decision. If the Holy Spirit is touching your heart saying, you need a Savior, today you can be saved. You don't have to wait until that microphone is standing in front of you. Wait until the Holy Ghost is standing in front of you saying, come. And then you respond and say, I want to come. I want to be saved. Don't let your culture keep you from Christ. So many times I've asked a black man in this country, what about you? He says, yeah, it is not my culture. It's the way they say it. It's not my culture, right? right? It's not my culture. I was talking to a gentleman this week, and he said this, this is what he was taught growing up, that the white men brought the Bibles and took the cattle. How many times I've asked a black man, are you a Christian? And he says, you know what? That's a white man's religion. Do you you understand where the culture is keeping him from Christ? When Jesus died on the cross, you know that there was an inscription put above his head, and it said, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. It was written in three languages, not one, three, because God is not interested in reaching just one people group. He's interested in reaching all people groups. There are three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, Japheth. Those are your three people groups. If you want to break it down like that, those are the three languages above Christ. Hebrew, Shem. Greek, Japheth. Latin, that was the Hamite language of the day. Jesus is interested in reaching all people. Have you read the book of Acts? 
and how God reached out. I mean, you have the initial thing there in Jerusalem, but once the gospel begins to go out, outside of the land of Israel, you know who gets it first? Not you white folk. Not even the Jew. There was a black man in the backside of a desert, a Hamite, an Ethiopian eunuch who was seeking and searching after God and the Holy Spirit pulls Philip away from a massive revival in Samaria and says, go get that black man traveling on the backside of the desert. He wants to hear about Christ. Philip showed up, preached Jesus to him, and he said, can I get saved right now? What's hindering me? What's stopping me? He said, if you believe with all your heart. Down, and he went and got baptized, and the, we learned from history, he went back to Ethiopia and started a church. It started with the black man. So this stuff about it's a white man's religion, I think us white people should fire back, no, 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 it's a black man's religion. <laughs> I don't want to get saved, it's a black man's religion. Ah, ah, Jesus, Jesus, ah, ah, Jesus. That <laughs> we can do it too. We can play the culture game all you want. At the end of the day, you need to make a choice, culture or creator. Culture or Christ. Don't, these folks thought they were doing something right. I'm not speaking about your intentions. I'm not speaking about the intentions of those people that taught you those things. But when biblical light, when God's truth comes to your attention, you have to choose culture or Christ. You are allowed to come. You don't have to wait for the sun to set. You don't, have, you don't have to wait for Ulm and Tani to say it's okay. Or for the elders in your land, the, the witch doctor and the, the, the ancestors. You don't have to wait for them to say it's okay. The Holy Spirit says it's okay. Come on. You don't have to wait for the sun to set. If I can point something else out, in verse number 40, you can see that there are some physical needs being met. Yes? He lays his hands on them. He heals them. These are physical things that he's doing. Healing. And then in verse 41, devils also came out. He addresses the physical, but here's my second point. There's more to Jesus than just getting help with physical problems. There's more to Jesus than please give me a job. Please, I, I have the sniffles. Help me feel better. Please pray about a job and the sniffles and all the physical problems that come with life. You're... Does verse 40, I mean, it stands there in the Bible. He's happy to help with those things, but don't cut him short. Let's not pretend as if Jesus is only here to make our physical life better. He's, there's so much more to him than just your physical existence. You have a spiritual life that whether you tend to it or not, it's there. Jesus is aware that there are unclean spirits moving about trying to keep you from seeing the light of the glorious gospel. He's aware of how serious it is. If I can just point this out as a quick side note. In verse 41, these, these devils, they spoke the truth, didn't they? Thou art Christ, the Son of God. Jesus rebuked them and said, you, you guys quit saying that. Jesus doesn't want your head to be filled with any thought that comes from a devil, even a right one. Even when the devil tells you a truth, because there are times when the devil will tell you a truth so that he can sell you three other lies on the back end of that deal. That, listen, he's subtle. He knows how to bait the hook. He's not going to jump out of the pits of hell, horns and a pitchfork, and go, ah, I'm the devil. 
because then you would run. He comes very kind. He wears a collar, carries a Bible. He talks about Jesus, and then he draws you in with what sounds right and then hooks you in the end and gets you way off the path. So he'll tell you some truth, but Jesus doesn't want you having any thoughts from any devils floating around in your head. If there's a practical lesson in that for us, Jesus won't even let these devils talk the truth, say the truth about him publicly. If you are living like the devil, probably best not to tell anybody that you're a Christian deep down because you're going to do more harm than good. Even though what might be coming out of your mouth is true, if you're living like the devil, better let somebody else say that because that person who hears that truth then looks at your backstory and says, but your life is tainting the truth and they might end up doubting the truth because of its source. This is why Jesus didn't want these devils pronouncing this truth publicly because even though it's true, if the general public starts hearing these demon-possessed people saying this, the general public says, wait a minute. If, if Jesus is the Son of God and devil-possessed people are saying it, maybe we have a reason to doubt it. Jesus says, better keep your mouth shut. I'm all for naming the name of Christ, but the Bible says, let him that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And then, then those words might have a little bit more power with it. But back to the point I'm trying to make in this particular instance, there's more to Jesus than just the physical problems we have. I think it's something that we often fall into. We try to fix spiritual problems with physical means. If you have a spiritual problem, and it starts with not being saved, if you do not properly understand salvation, you cannot fix that through physical, natural means. You cannot understand your way into it. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. You can't study books to get into it. It's a faith thing where God reveals it and you accept what He said about your sinful condition and what Jesus did to set you right with God and then you accept what Jesus did on the cross as the payment, the reconciliation for your sins to bring you back to God. You must believe that that is the only way you can get back to Him. Not your culture's method, not the religion's method, not the church's method, just Jesus Christ. That's the first and most important spiritual problem to get right. But even after you're saved, there are still spiritual issues. And how many times people throw money at it? Or they say, you know, I'll exercise my way out of it or I'll medicate my way out of it. You cannot take a pill to fix a spiritual problem. You cannot take a pill to fix a spiritual problem. If you have a physical problem, please find the right pill. I'm not against a pill. I am warning you, though. I'm, let's say admonishing is a better word. I'm, I'm trying to help you see you cannot fix the spiritual with physical means. There are some th sometimes when you just have to take what Jesus says and apply it. Bring that thought down and bring it to the obedience of Christ. There's more to Jesus than just physical stuff. You know, the older I get, the more this thought is hitting me. This is such a simple thought. Some of you will appreciate this more than others. I'm going to die. Isn't that a simple thought? It's not like I sit around thinking about that all the time. I'm, I'm not a morbid guy, okay? But there's a song in that book that we just printed up. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. 
My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. Listen. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Right? There, there's, once you're saved, you start to realize that all the physical stuff, you can have good health, lots of money, great job, and you won't be satisfied. Because there's more to life than that. You've got to get out of verse 40 and eventually get into verse 41 where Jesus sets right the spiritual problems. And when He makes that right, now you can feel complete. There's more to Jesus than just the physical. Verse 42, when it was day, He departed and went into a desert place. When you read this same story in Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 1, verses 35 and 36, it tells us there that Jesus went to this desert place to pray. And it also says, you're going to love this, he, he arose a great while before day, before the sun came up, Jesus went out to the desert place to pray. Before the busyness of your business, does that make sense? Before life just gets busy that day, Jesus got up before the sun came up and went out and talked to God for a while. So my third point, there's more to Jesus than public ministry. There's more to Jesus. When you read the Gospels, there's more to Him than just healing, you know, public healings, public preaching. There's more than that. There is a private devotional life that Jesus had, and we, we must not ignore the importance of it. Many times did Jesus separate Himself from the bunch, go out to that quiet place, that deserted place, and spend time with God. And I don't intend to take a long time on this point. I just want to highlight it for a moment if Jesus needed this kind of time with his father don't you don't I he made time in his schedule if he had to get up a, a little bit earlier so that he could pray he's willing to do that because he knew the importance of a private devotional life there's more to Jesus than just the public there's a private. I hope that's true of you as well. I hope there's more to you than just what we're seeing on Sunday morning. I hope there's something going on between you and God privately on a daily basis. Verse 42, if we continue down this path, when it was day, departed, went into a desert place. The people sought him and came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. Again, if you read this along with Mark's gospel, you find that Simon Peter was part of this group. And he kind of led the bunch out there. And there's a bit of a, a back and forth between them and the Lord. Simon comes out and says, all men seek for thee. So I would assume that Simon probably was first on the scene. Have you ever tried to interrupt somebody while they pray? You know they're praying. Isn't that awkward? You know, if it's somebody, if you're talking to one other person, you say, excuse me, pardon me. If you know they're talking to God, how do you interrupt that? You know, sorry, God, wait, wait. <laughs> Just, that's awkward. Simon's out there. Jesus is praying. How does he, how do you approach that? Sorry, sorry. I'm so sorry. This is so awkward. But listen, there are hundreds of people looking for you. They have heard what you did last, you know, yesterday and all through the night you were healing people. And now you're up early out here praying. But these people are interested to see and they want to hear more. They want to, you know, they got more problems and want to hear more teaching and then all the people show up and say, yeah, yeah, please. That's where we get this. They all come and say, please, don't go. Don't go. And Jesus 
tells them, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I got other plans. And then they, you know, bit it back and forth. But, but no, please, just give us a few more days. So here's my next point. There's more to your spiritual growth than a short time in his presence. Now let me work this out a little bit. They have had a few hours in the presence of Christ. Now they want more. This is an intense experience with him, yes? They're watching miracles, hearing the words of God come right out of his mouth. I don't hold this against them at all to say, please, Jesus, don't move. Have you ever had one of those great experiences with God where his presence has gotten so real that you don't ever want it to end? Have you? Where you've been praying and the presence of God just stepped into that room and you thought, okay, this is what it ought to feel like. Now, now, Jim Lynch used to preach it like this. He said, I don't want to move because I might spook the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd word it like that, but you get his point. It was, it was just so good. Now, let's just stay here a while. I think Peter said it on another occasion. Moses and Elijah come down, and there's Jesus, and they're talking. You know what Peter says? Let's build some tabernacles and hang out here a while. This is great. When are we ever going to get to have this again? This is revival. This is awesome. Please don't move. And he says, no, no, one message. The Father speaks from heaven and says, this is my son. Hear him. Moses and Elijah are gone. Jesus is transformed back, you know, transfigured back to his natural human form. And Oh, man, it's over. This is the Christian experience. Listen to how this works. He shows up. He speaks to your heart. He stirs you. He teaches you. And then he steps away. You say, oh, did I do something wrong? No, this is spiritual growth. Because what comes next is of the utmost importance. When he steps away, are you going to do something with what he just taught you? That's what this is about. Jesus needs to go preach to other people. They need to meet him too. But for the people that are staying behind, they need to be faithful with what they just learned. So many times we can put on the show and we'll be obedient when somebody's watching. We call it eye service. But then as soon as no one's there to see us do it, we let it fall by the wayside. Let me just read you these verses in John 2. It says, Now when he, Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them, because he knew all men, and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. He knew they'll get excited, and in the moment they'll make all these great commitments, but then those commitments will fizzle. What will you do when Jesus steps away? And you say, but I thought he'll never leave me nor forsake me. I understand his, the Holy Spirit does live within us forever, but sometimes you don't feel his presence as immediate as at other times, right? And it's at those moments that you prove your love to Christ more than any other time in your life because if you will still do right and be obedient and seek his face even when he's not right there that proves to him how devoted you are it's easy to do it when the revival's happening and the miracles are there and Moses and Elijah are on the stage with him and he's transfigured and his face is glowing like the sun I mean who wouldn't want to obey then 
But when he goes off to preach in the next town, when you wake up and have to go to work tomorrow morning, when you have to go to school and write those exams, are you still going to be just as interested in obeying Christ as you are during the church service? I gave you an illustration last week for those of you that were here for the Bible study hour. We were talking about church attendance and I mentioned how during our furlough we went to one particular church and it was a missions conference and it was so good. I must admit, I, I had never been in a meeting like that. We, we had to get there 45 minutes early just to get a seat. And those people, you talk about one accord, one heart. I've never experienced anything quite like that before or since. At the end of it, our daughter was in tears saying, Dad, I don't want to go. This was so good. What a testimony when your 12-year-old says, I've been in church Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I want more. I want more. I went to the pastor's office. Remember I told you and said, hey, you caused me a problem. Now my daughter doesn't want to go. She's weeping in the car. What do I do about this? I didn't tell you what he said, and I'll tell you now. Brother Ralph said, you know, Brother Flick, in the Old Testament, God commanded the Jews three times in a year, all the men had to come to Jerusalem. Remember that? Passover, Feast of Weeks, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. You had a week-long service there. And he said that was like their revival. And they get all worked up, and every day they're reading Scripture and singing, and everybody's worshiping God, sacrificing, commitments are made. And at the end of that feast, you know what you do? You go back to work. That, that feast was there to remind you of how important it is to worship and serve God. It was there to stir you up so that you can go right back home, right back to work, back to your village, and employ everything that God has revealed in the Bible. And he says, so brother, we just keep plugging on. We cannot live in those, those ecstatic moments. We can't live there. We need them, but then there's more to it. There's more to it. Lastly, verse number 43, he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. And he did it. He preached in the synagogues of Galilee. All, that's northern Israel. My last point, I want to say there's more to Jesus than potch. There's more to Jesus than potch. And I hope that this becomes, let's say, the cry of our hearts in our church here, right? That we think globally, act locally. I believe strongly in the Great Commission. I believe every Christian should be involved to some extent in getting the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth. I believe as a church that should be our focus. But I also believe as a church we can narrow it down a little bit more and say, what is the purpose for our local church for, for, for us to exist, what, what is our mission statement? Now, it would be easy to say the Great Commission, to reach the uttermost part, and I get that. But let me, let me put this statement out there. You tell me if this sounds about right for us. We exist to prepare people for every level of God's service. That's what our local church specifically can offer the body of Christ. Every local church should be trying to get the gospel to lost souls, right? Every local church should be trying to disciple every one of them. What could we specifically offer? I would like to train people for every level of God's service, starting with getting saved, settled in the faith. That's evangelism, discipleship. 
teach you how to soul win, how you can go out and win somebody to Christ. How can you serve in your local church? That's the next level of service. And then finally, send you out for mission work. Mission work, not just in foreign fields. We need some more Bible-believing pastors in South Africa. We, we need some, desperately. How about if our church pushes that way to say it's not just about potch. It's not about having a great church in potch. I want to have a great church in potch. A, a church that pleases God, right? That, that's what I mean by great church. A church that puts a smile on His face. But it's not just about potch. There's more to Jesus than just give us a good church so we enjoy it when we come. We think globally and then act locally. At one point, Jesus made this statement, you're either with me or against me. You remember that? I'm going to switch that around and turn that into a question. What was Jesus sent to do? It says in verse 43, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. I have to. He says at the end of verse 43, for therefore am I sent you know what Jesus said to the disciples in John 20? As my Father sent me, so send I you. So the Father hands Jesus the baton. He runs His race faithfully. And then as He is about to ascend back to heaven, He says, gentlemen, wait here in Jerusalem. The Holy Ghost is going to come down and you're going to be witnesses unto me. Both. Both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Both. You don't ignore one to reach the other. You don't ignore the local to go global. You understand? You need both at one time. So both local and global. Jesus was sent to get the good news, not just to one group, but to as many as he could reach. And now he's handed that baton to his disciples. And every generation of Christians has handed it down. Now it's come here. Here we are in our local church. The baton is in our hand. Let's prepare people to take that baton and run to the next city and the next town and the next province and if God so allows, to the next country. There's more, there's more to Christ than just Bible Baptist potch. There are other people that need to hear it and we can play a part in that. So Jesus' question, here's what, what is He about? What must He do? I'm sent to preach to another city, not just one. Now, are you with me or are you against me? Are you going to help with that or are you going to hinder that plan? Folks, there's more to Jesus than we could possibly imagine. The Apostle John wrote at the end of his gospel, if I would write all the wonderful things that Jesus has done, the world could not contain the books that should be written. This, the riches of Christ are unsearchable. We could never fully hit the depths of how great He is. So this will always be a true statement. There's more to him. Let's keep learning. Let's keep growing. Let's keep going. What, what is that next step that you need to take? Let's all stand if you would, please. Heads bowed and eyes closed for a few minutes. Mrs. Bierman is going to play something softly for us. And as she plays... I want you to ponder that thought. There's more to him. So what is the next thing I need to do to get deeper in my relationship with him? 
she's playing the perfect song for this. More about Jesus would I see. More of His saving grace for me. More about Jesus. There's more to Him. I believe this is the kind of sermon that, let me say, demands a response. I don't know what that response would be, but it's not the kind of thing you just hear and then walk away from. If you've come today and you're not saved, I'd love to invite you this morning to get that taken care of. Say, so, well, you know, here in our culture, we don't do it like this. I, this is how the Holy Spirit does it. When He taps on your heart, when He pricks your heart, you respond. Right? Would you be willing to do this? Nobody's looking around. Would you say, Pastor, I, there's never been a time in my life where I understood that I was lost and then accepted Christ as my Savior so that He would bring me back to God. I, I've never done that. And I'd like to get some help with that today. No one's looking. Would you just raise your hand? You can put it right back down. I, I just want to pray for you. I will not point you out. Anybody here like that? Say, Pastor, if I died today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Anybody just slip your hand up and put it right back down. All right, I appreciate your honesty. Thank you. By that admission, and I, and I trusted this was true, that most of you here today, you are saved. And it's true for every one of us, there's more to Jesus than we already know. Would you make that commitment today to say, even when I don't feel His presence right there in front of me, I'm still going to do it His way. Would you make that commitment? Would you say, God, I've been concentrating a lot on the physical. I haven't given much time to the spiritual part of my life. I want to give more to that. More, more time and attention. Maybe you need a little more time in that desert place. Away from the busyness of life where you can hear the voice of God. This is the time to commit to that. I love having a good service, but there's more to Christ than just a good church service. Father, we thank You this morning for speaking to our hearts. We thank You for sending Your Son. And Lord, we know as individuals, we, we need to know more about Jesus. But also we know that this world around us needs to know more and they can't hear that. They can't know that if we don't go and tell them. Show us as individuals and us as a church what's the next step. What more can we do? Father, per perhaps somebody here today is not saved and just shy about raising their hand. Nevertheless, God, would you work in that person's heart? Might this be the day that they put culture aside, put pride aside, and come to Christ humbly and ask for salvation? Father, thank you for how you've spoken to us today. We pray you continue to do it throughout the day. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. All right, if you guys want to schedule some music time with the Beermans, please come see them on the stage. We'll see you tonight, 6 o'clock.